Hey fellow nerds, I'm Megan Smiley and this is the Lawyer's Escape Pod. For those of you who've gotten into practice, looked around and thought, so this is my life? I get it. You're in deep and you feel stuck. You may have no idea what the next step would be, or maybe you have an idea, but think it's unrealistic. I truly believe that there's a path forward for each of us if we're intentional about finding it. And this podcast will be a great source of advice and inspiration for you to make that leap to a more fulfilling career. Adam Oliver is my guest today. He's the managing director of Firm Prospects, which offers data-driven market intelligence for legal search professionals. Out of law school, Adam practiced corporate law in a number of firms before deciding it was time to pull the plug. His experience working with legal recruiters during his firm jumps opened his eyes to that profession. He took the leap and started his own legal recruiting company. After years of doing that, he saw a pain point in the industry and decided he could solve it. So now he's built a second company, which he's running. I think Adam's experience really highlights that if you keep your eyes open to options along the way and believe that you're capable of figuring out how to do most things, which P.S. you are, it really opens up some exciting career options. Hi, Adam. Thanks for joining me today. My pleasure. Thanks for having me, Megan. Yeah. So why don't we start at the beginning and you could tell me a little bit about what prompted you to go to law school? Sure. So back in the day when I was an undergrad, um, I was an environmental science major. I, I kind of fell into it. You know, it was, I liked the sciences, but I didn't want to get into kind of the hard sciences. I, you know, I, I wasn't motivated enough to take, you know, organic chem. Uh, yeah, like the people who were, they knew they were going to go to med school. They knew they had to take classes X, Y, and Z. I knew med school, dental school, being coming a vet just wasn't in my future. I had no desire to do that. But uh, kind of at the time, you know, environmental science was in the news, uh, you know, all the super fun sites and all that. So I was like, okay, this could be interesting. So I just sort of fell into that major, thought it was interesting. But as you get towards your junior year of college, you have to start thinking about what you're going to do after college. And I really had no idea. And then, you know, I just started looking around. I said, well, you know, as I noted previously, environmental science was sort of big because of, you know, CERCLA, Superfund, RECRA. So I was like, okay, environmental law might be interesting. So I took a few, uh, you know, courses, uh, constitutional law, a few others in undergrad. I was like, okay, this is interesting. I can see myself doing this. It's very theoretical, a lot of thinking, a lot of back and forth with the professor. Uh, ended up taking the LSAT, did fine. And then um, I got a job actually with uh, Travelers, uh, the insurance company in their insurance. legal department in the special liability coverage unit which was um, basically dealing with and, you know, to be honest, denying environmental claims. Um, so, <laughs> Not exactly what you thought you were signing up for, perhaps? <laughs> yeah, no, it was, well, funny, going to an insurance company, I had a pretty good idea that I was like, okay, this is probably what I'm going to be doing. But I was like, well, it'll yeah. at least give me some exposure. So I'll know whether or not this is what I want to do. And I'll be working directly with lawyers who have kind of been there, done that. Um, but by the time you get there, you know, you're coming out of undergrad, you jump into your first job. By the time you're applying, you know, you're three, four, five, six months into a new job. So you really don't know what it's all about still, or at least I didn't. I was still very naive as to what real lawyers did. 
Um, yeah. But what it did allow me to do is uh, I went to UConn. So I got in-state residency in Connecticut, which made UConn very inexpensive, which is something I wanted. And I was actually going to go at night and let travelers pay for it. I wanted to go to UVA for that reason, but I didn't get accepted. (laughs) (laughs) UConn was a little easier to get into. Um, It was the only school I applied to. It's like, I'm either going there and paying 12,000 a year or, you know, I'll kind of rethink this. So it was kind of an all thing. It's a big difference in the calculation about going to law schools, how much it costs you. No, exactly. I mean, when I thought about, you know, there was BCBU because I love Boston. I grew up in Massachusetts. I thought about those schools. But between the rent in Boston combined with, you know, I can't remember what it was back in the day, but it's a 25, 26 grand a year. I just said, I was like, I don't want to do that. I don't want to come out of anything owing $200,000. Um, I just didn't want to put myself in that position. Whereas at UConn, you can live in West Hartford for, you know, 700 bucks a month, you know, with all, you know, you graduate and you're 30 grand in debt, something like that. So it's, it just yeah. wasn't bad. It was very manageable. I mean, that was a very mature decision at the time, you know, to. Yeah. One of the few. To not but, put yeah. yourself in the position of excessive debt. Well, those <laughs> like numbers, like just hearing those numbers about the potential debt that you could come out of law school with. I mean, that, that was kind of scary, you know, particularly where at Travelers, you know, what was my salary at the time? 32000 So to think about owing X number of hundreds of thousands of dollars, that was scary. So that's where UConn yeah. became very sort of, um, you know, palatable in terms of, okay, you know, thirteen grand a year, that's doable. Um, so that's, yeah. that's how I ended up going. And it was, again, if, if I didn't get accepted to UConn, I don't know if I would have gone. I'd probably maybe reapply the next year. But um, yeah. it was just something like, well, I'll give this a shot. And you know, a lot of it was, you know, interestingly enough, a lot of the lawyers that I was working with at Travelers, you really want to do this? But yeah, yeah. You know? So <laughs> People thinking about going to law school really have a mental block about hearing those questions from the rest of us. You really do. I mean, nobody, <laughs> nobody within the legal department, Travelers said, Adam, this is a great idea. You'll love it. You know, they're like, well, you know, nobody actually came right out and said it's a horrible idea or anything like that. It's like, you know, if you thought about business school or just something completely different, but you're, you're right. You kind of get that tunnel vision at some point. Like, I took the LSAT. You're like, no, it'll be different for me. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I'll, be, I'll be the one who, you know, gets to do, you know, whatever it is that's interesting as opposed to, you know, what you're doing, which obviously isn't making you happy. So, <laughs> yeah, um, you've made some bad life decisions exactly, here, exactly. but obviously I, I wouldn't do that. Do that. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Yeah. So how did you like law school once you got there? I loved it. I mean, to be honest, and I've actually heard a lot of people say this, like a lot of the people who like law school don't like practicing. And I think I definitely fall into that category. Uh, They're totally different experiences, you know, I I mean, they're related, obviously, but yeah, I mean, there's, I think law schools do law students a real disservice because, you know, somebody like myself, I think this is great. I mean, just sitting around talking about legal theory, just, you know, with some very smart people, I was like, I could do this all day. And I, you know, law school you do, but it's nothing like when you're sitting there looking at a, you know, 800 page merger agreement and you, you know, from Friday at five through Monday at 6am, it's like, you don't have to do that in law school. So there's that disconnect between law school and sitting there chatting about legal theory as opposed to being a real lawyer. Right. So, uh, so yeah, I, I thought it was a great three years. Um, 
but the only the only thing that I didn't like about it was after I was like, wait a minute, this isn't what I was doing for three years. And maybe that's what it's yeah. like in other, you know, professions as well. But I think with a law, there's a real disconnect between, you know, what you study, how you study, and then going off to practice. And maybe, you know, that could be in part because of the work I did. I was a corporate attorney as opposed to a litigator. And I think law school is a little more geared towards litigation. But even with litigation, you're not... Um, you're not doing the same thing that you're doing in any class. And, yeah. You know, if you're, if you're a real so, estate attorney, I don't think you're talking about is it a rule of perpetuity or whatever it is. I mean, these things just don't yeah. come up in real life. I always use the rule of perpetuity as this sort of like, you know, here's this arcade thing that why are we even <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> I mean, but you have to, I guess, if you want to be a trusted estate lawyer, maybe. But um, so did you take environmental law classes when you were in law school? If that was sort of had been your original thought, I did. So I did take an environmental law class. And it was funny because the basically on day one, the professor said something along the lines of how do you phrase it? And I was definitely one of these people where he said, you know, a lot of people come in here and they think we're going to talk about, you know, bunnies and happy sunflowers or something. I can't remember how he phrased it, but I was like, oh, that's me. Yeah. You know, I thought that this was going to be kind of saving the environment is what he was getting at. But he's like, no, you know, most of the people who are environmental attorneys, you know, if you want to make any money doing it, you're going to work for the, you know, the dark side, so to speak. Um, yeah. So you just, he's like, it's boring too. It's, you know, it's, it's all statutory. And this it's, is your professor telling you this? Yeah. He was just so, you know, you're, it's like a lot of people sitting there come in like myself, you know, they were environmental science people. I grew up on the Cape, you know, very sort of environmentally aware. Right. And and, it was just, oh, like, just in Woods Hole, which is very environmental. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, yeah. So I did take the class, but simultaneously with, you know, me entering law school was the whole dot com, dot com boom. And I kind of got wrapped up in that. So I quickly forgot about, okay, maybe environmental laws and the thing. All, all you heard about was these VC attorneys, these emerging growth attorneys who either were going in-house, uh, getting some form of equity, and then retiring at 25. You know, they were at pets.com yeah. and calling it quits by 30. He said, well, that doesn't sound so bad. You know, <laughs> yeah, right. And, you know, it was all, <laughs> hmm, sign me up. Yeah. So it was, <laughs> it was like when I was in law school, I mean, in undergrad, you know, the uh, Superfund, et cetera, that's what was in the news. Now it was the whole dot-com thing, the dot-com boom. So, um, and one of the first um, first firms that I interviewed with was Testa Hurwitz. And that's all they mm-hmm. did. So that kind of sealed the deal when they made me an offer for a summer associate position. Um, so I, I pivoted very quickly once I sort of saw, okay, this, this seems yeah. exciting. Um, yeah. You know, this At least you're pivoting towards something on purpose because I think a lot of us go thinking, oh, I'm going to do environmental law or I'm going to do public interest law. And then you just kind of get there and you're like, Oh, I guess we're all doing corporate law here. Yeah. Uh, all right. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, it was. It just seemed more exciting, you know. Particularly yeah. after our, <laughs> after what our professor told us, I was like, well, maybe this yeah. isn't. Yeah. Um, and it just, uh, yeah, it, it it just caught my attention, and a lot of people. I mean, everybody sort of got wrapped up in it, or at least a large majority of people that wanted to do sort of the, the thing that everybody was hearing about. It was making, you know, making everybody rich overnight. I said, and, you know, yeah. I, I definitely am not sort of uh, driven by money, but it was just like, wow, you can just 
you do this and then you go in-house and you're done. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So, so what did you do? So you were at Testa for how long? A little over a year. So it was a bad time to start because when I arrived, yeah, it's like Testa Hurwitz in my memory. Yeah, it didn't end well. So, yeah, I, in terms of starting a career in corporate law, it had to be almost literally the worst day. It was September tenth, two thousand one. The next day, wow. September eleventh. So the dot com bus had already started. Things were slow. We were all, and there were sixty five of us starting on the same day. So they hired basically everybody from our summer associate class. All 65 of us showed up September 10th, 2001. And there were already sort of rumblings about how slow it is. And then the next day, you know, the world changed. And, you know, stock market crashed. There was nothing going on. And we saw, like my class, particularly first years, at TESTA, we were going to the movies at one o'clock and we were at Testa other than Scadden, we were getting the highest base salary in the country. We started at 140, yeah. which at the time was the top of the market. Wow. Yeah. Only mar- only matched by Scadden. And Testa set the bar at 140. So we're like, hey, we're making 140 and we're watching movies at one. How long is this gonna last? <laughs> and yeah. you know, so the writing was on the wall pretty yeah. quickly. I mean, we weren't stupid, we knew what was coming. So I started looking for jobs and sort of before I could actually get laid off, which I knew was coming because they'd already let go of 30 out of the 65 people. So I took a job with yeah. a smaller firm in Connecticut um, just to make sure that I didn't have any gap on my resume. I just wanted to, or yeah. I just want to make sure that I can say, hey, I was never let go. Went to a mid-sized firm in Connecticut called Rojan Nassau and uh, stayed there for a bit um, before I bounced around. But uh, yeah, so that's how my legal career started. Which, so you barely yeah. even got to really like get your feet wet with what it actually meant to practice at that point in some ways. Yeah, I mean it was. It, that's definitely true. I mean we we had a lot of free time, way too much. But I did get a taste of a few M and A deals, some VC financings, and I knew very quickly that this wasn't for me long term. Yeah. Um, just sitting down to work on, you know, a merger agreement, whatever it might be, for eight, nine, ten hours straight, you know, back to back to back, it, and, and with the pressure of, you know, the clients calling, yeah. witness, the partners wanting X, Y, and Z. I just knew I was like, this yeah. isn't for me. I don't have the ability physically to sit here and just do something for this many hours in a row at a desk. So yeah. I, I quickly realized. I'm going to do something else. This yeah. this isn't for me long term. Even though, yeah. you know, even though I wasn't doing it as much as I should have been. So I, I can't even imagine if I had to do it. You know, the eighty hours a week that you know was sort of the expectation. You uh, just would have felt like that more so, probably. Exactly. Like, I probably would have just walked out. I mean, to be honest, <laughs> I, you know, it's as crazy yeah. as that might sound. I I just don't have it in me to you know to sit there 10, 12 hours and not do anything that's creative. I mean, if I'm doing something that I find interesting, that's creative, then fine. I can sit there forever, but I just found it. But what passes for creative in a law firm, I mean, 
I remember this one partner coming in and I was like, oh, Megan, this is, you're going to be on this deal with me. It's, it's super sexy. It's yeah. like the securities thing, this new thing. I was like, oh, that just sounds like a hassle. Like nobody here knows how to do it because it's new and it's just going to be a pain. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> you know, and his yeah. eyes were lighting up like this is the best thing ever. And I was like, yeah, yeah. Yep. No, this I is why I don't think I'm the last here. <laughs> yes. No, I, <laughs> it's, it's funny you say that because when I, I, probably the same firm that you're referring to, was yeah. working there and we started doing like the SEC filings. I mean, I, yeah. I thought the merger you know the merger stuff was bad but (laughs) oh my god it actually gets worse so but but it's also that you look around and you realize some people genuinely like it and then you realize oh okay it's possible to like this i just don't and i can see sort of the personality type that yeah just i don't know what personality type it is and there's certainly nothing wrong with it it's just very different from you know my personality but some people i think they can just sort of sit back review you know a very large you know contract and enjoy it at least maybe enjoy it's a little strong but they don't have that sort of you know desire to jump out the window yeah immediately like what am i doing yeah (laughs) yeah exactly exactly yeah um, so you practiced at a few different firms for a number of years, um, but then tell us a little bit about how you went, if you were sort of aware of the fact that this is not probably for you, did you think about different areas of practice or going, I don't know, into the government even, or were, were that, was that part of your thought process or how did you end up getting out of practice altogether? So I did. I mean, I, I wasn't sure at first, if it was, you know, is this, is this a function of the firm that I'm at? With the Grassby Greener at a different firm. So I definitely jumped around, you know, an embarrassingly large, you know, number of times, um, almost every year. I mean, I think it's to uh, sort of I, figure out what, what, you know, it's a big commitment to have gone to law school trying to figure out, you know, is it the place or is it the job, you know? Exactly. No, and I think you, you want it to work. I mean, I, I, as yeah. much as I kind of knew in my gut that I was like, this isn't for me long term, it's like, well, you know, maybe if I transition a bit from, you know, emanate more of the pure startup work, which is what I did at Wigan and Dana. Um, mm-hmm. But that's, that's where I think I knew when I was at Wigan and Dana, it's kind of a midsize shop in Connecticut. Um, I love the people that I work with, you know, there's Frank, Paul, Mark, it's just the partners were great. We got along very well and I still wasn't happy. And that was sort of, you know, the point at which that, okay, if you like the people you're working with this much, but you're still unhappy going in every day, then it's, it's, it's not the firm. It's, 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 right. it's the underlying work that's, um, you know, causing the issues. So yeah. that's when I knew I was like, all right, I have to start, you know, thinking about it. I mean, so as you jump around, I did it using recruiters. So that's how mm-hmm. I started thinking. So I never, I never thought about the government, never really thought about in-house. Um, because when I realized, okay, you know, if you go in-house, still doing legal work. Yes, you have one client, that might be better. But I knew that I needed something, a, a drastic change, just something that didn't yeah. involve me behind a desk. And... I realized what the recruiters were being paid, um, you know, who were moving me around. And yeah. again, I, I definitely wouldn't describe myself who's 
as somebody who's motivated by money, but I was like, you know, I do want to, you know, make a living. I still had loans, even though Yukon wasn't that expensive. Um, yeah. So I definitely wanted to be able to put food on the table, etc. And I was like, this this profession seems to allow for a lot of flexibility. Um, you know, they you know you can kind of make your own hours, do what you want. Um, you know, all you have to do is if you want to make the same same amount as kind of a mid-level associate, you move four of them and you get 25% of the base. So I kind of ran the numbers. Yeah. And, you know, without putting a lot of thought into it, I just, I walked into Frank's office. He was the um, head of the corporate department. And I said, Frank, this is what I'm doing. Um, yeah. It just, it just, it was my way out. I couldn't think of anything else. You know, I did, you know, I was like, should I go to business school? But I was like, I didn't really have any end goal there either. Um, yeah, yeah. So, well, and sometimes it's just it's a way out that you see, and so you take it. <laughs> yeah, no, that's exactly right. It was just like, okay, you know, this something that I knew that I needed was a bit more flexibility, where I could have a bit more control over my hours um, and just not be tethered to a desk. And yeah. you know, granted, with as a recruiter, you're tethered to a phone and to a certain degree, but at the same time there's just that added layer of flexibility that you don't get with a lot of legal jobs. So it's like, okay, let, yeah. me, let me give this a go and see if it if it's yeah. better with my partner. I mean, that makes sense. I think, you know, it's, it's partly the job you're doing and it's partly sort of everything else and the culture around it, right? You know, all of these things are important to your satisfaction. Exactly, exactly. Yeah. Um, and as one of my classmates from law school, this guy, Chris, he sort of he summed it up once with you know different professions and i think recruiting sort of fell into this category where it was it was a good job to have but he said you have to get it from somewhere else and for him he yeah. he stayed a lawyer but his it was he was a stand up comedian so he wanted to make sure he is still doing stand up comedy uh, you know uh-huh. he found an in house position that allowed him to do that so you know that after he said, you know, that it made sense to me. Like, okay, you know, you're right. It's like yeah. if, if if recruiting allows for the flexibility, I don't necessarily need to get sort of that, you know, maybe the intellectual intellectual satisfaction that you're looking for in a career might not be there. Um, but it allows it allows you to make enough money and, you know, even more importantly, gives you the flexibility to do other stuff that's, you know, of interest to you. Yeah. Yeah, I always think about, you know, I think part of what's hard about working at in big law is that you maybe you do have maybe you have no idea what you want to do and even as a hobby and that's that's one set of issues but that you might have something that if you could devote some time to it would help balance it out and make it all better for you but it's just hard to find any time when you're in that kind of a job to exactly. explore those things. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Yeah, no, it's So Sorry, go ahead. No, no, go ahead. I was it, one of the things I noticed very quickly was that particularly the partners, there was no no real life outside of what they were doing, you know. And I think they were fine with it, as you know. To like some people, that's they, they sort of enjoy that lifestyle. But um, I, for me, it just I, I just couldn't do that. I needed to have sort of that separation. That there had to be something outside of work. Um, and you know that was that was sort of important for me to be able to you know yeah. play basketball every once in a while, whatever it might be, just just to be able to have sort of a life. And then you know 
yeah. when I met White Wife. To my yeah, full, wife. A fully fledged human exactly. <laughs> with exactly. interests. Yeah, yeah. No, I'm, very I'm trying high to be standards. Careful, too, very because, high standards. You know, I don't, I don't want to sort of sound very like all negative. Oh, you know, lawyers do it, but and you know, I think you noted that uh, you know your dad's lawyer, so you've sort of yeah. you know you know what they do you had a little more exposure to it than i did and you know i don't yeah i don't fault anybody i mean it didn't save me from going yeah exactly yes <laughs> exactly um but yeah no that's that's how i ended up with recruiting and i'm not i'm not doing the recruiting anymore i'm doing something that's tangentially related did you when you went into the recruiting was there had you had enough experience uh, on the other side of it to sort of know how to do it because i mean if you I would have a hard time being like, well, where do I start? Just calling firms, I guess. Were you, were you at all sort of scared or like worried that, oh, I don't, you know, now I'm going to have to learn how to do this. And what if I, what if it seems like it's going to be easy to place four people, but it turns out it's actually harder to do that than I thought. You know, I wasn't, I mean, I, I was obviously a little nervous when, you know, no matter what, what I was going to jump into, I think it's natural, mm-hmm. you know, particularly if, if yeah. you've never done it before, but I didn't, I, I didn't think I needed to go to, you know, a major Lindsay in Africa or some big firm. Because a lot of people ask me, who are you going to go work for? I was like, nobody. I'm going to do this on my own. They're like, well, do you know what you're yeah. doing? You know, sort of to your point, I was like, no, but maybe I was a bit naive. Like, How hard can it be? I, so, yeah. you know, I've, I've had recruiters move me around a few times. And I was like, it wasn't rocket science. They called me. Yeah. I sent the resume. They got me a new job. Um, yeah. And to be honest, that's it's not much more. Pretty much how it went. Yeah. <laughs> I, I did. Admittedly, I got lucky in part because um, a person that I worked with at Testa, uh, she was the head of the summer program when I was at Judy St. John. Um, she was at, I want to say, Nixon Peabody and Body. Nixon Peabody in Boston, but I don't think that's the firm she was at at the time. Uh, she left Tesla to go somewhere else in the same role. Can't re- remember where it was, uh, but anyway, the point being, I went up to meet with her basically two days after I left the law firm, and she picked up the phone um, and just she called everybody that she knew in her role at all the other firms and said, "You have to put a contract in place with this guy." So I, I was able to get that little bit of a, you know, a jump start. Uh, I mean, that's a, yeah, that's a, that's a, you must have had a pretty good relationship with her to, to be able to leverage that. Yeah. No, I still keep in touch with her. I mean, she had no, yeah. it was, you know, she knew me from Testa and, you know, we, we had a relationship there, but for her to do that was sort of above and beyond. And, you know, I, yeah. I, I still, you know, I still remember her because of that. And I keep in touch with her because she made yeah. what was, you know, me going out on my own a much easier transition because just with that phone call from her, these they did. They just, here's the contract. Yeah. You know, Ropes and Gray, Wilmer Hale, they were all just, I don't think it would have yeah. been that easy um, had she not yeah. had that call. So that's, uh, I didn't know that was going to happen, but it definitely made my life a bit easier. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's great. But it also, I mean, you must have impressed her. So, you know, it wasn't just falling from the sky. <laughs> yeah. I, I, don't, I mean, she she referred to all of us, you know, all the summers as her kids. And yeah. that's the type of person she was. She, and she's still. She yeah. was still referring yeah. to me as, you know, one of her kids and I'm 45. So, you know, that's, that's <laughs> Yeah. 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 
Um, That's a good person for that job, I think. Very much so. Yeah, she was perfect for it. She was perfect for it, definitely. Um, So so then you did your own recruiting thing for a while, right? Yeah, so I did that for several years, and then I ended up hiring people. So, you know, I had people working under me. Um, And then the transition into what I'm doing now, it sort of fell into my lap. So as part of recruiting, what you need is, you know, who am I going to call and what do they do? So just basically lists of attorneys and, you know, do job openings. And there was a company that was doing it and I was paying them a ton of money. Um, but I realized that you know, I would reach out to a, a banking attorney about a banking position and say, well, I'm a litigator. I just do some financial services litigation. And it, it got frustrating because of the amount I was paying. So I started scraping data which is basically aggregating information about attorneys using crawlers so, my husband's in in data tech and so okay. i have now so learned what that means you know what but that i assume is. not everybody i assume not everybody does know <laughs> yeah no, but people, scraping what do you mean uh, I, I, <laughs> yeah i have a whole new vernacular now okay. now that i don't spend all of my time with only lawyers <laughs> yeah no, exactly I've I've learned far more than I probably want to about you know data aggregation from yeah yeah um, it just sort of I just started doing it on my own and then how did you I mean it is sort of technical how did you even know where to start well I I just started poking around um, and there was a tool I want to say Mozilla but I know that's not the name of it Uh, that's that's the Firefox parent company but um, Mozenda I believe it was that allowed you to do it on your own. Um, so it's something you download, you know, we're going back a few years now. So it was, you know, kind of a desktop app. So I started pulling in the data that way and categorizing it. And then uh, some other recruiters showed an interest in it. And, you know, so I basically packaged it, resold it, and said, huh, you know, there's something here. They, a lot of other recruiters apparently felt the same way I did. Like they didn't want to overpay for this data, which is relatively easy to aggregate. And yeah. so I started doing that and then, you know, stopped doing it on my own and, um, you know, paid a company to do it. They gathered the data. I would categorize it. And it sort of snowballed from there. And I got, um, you know, somebody else who you know, might be a, a good person to chat with is uh, George yeah. O'Connell, one of my partners. He was at Sherman and Sterling. He went to um, the Connecticut AG's office. And what's funny is I jokingly said to him, um, because he had just been written up in the Wall Street Journal, New York Times. He was sort of the mastermind behind the legal theory that, you know, they didn't bring them down, but it was an $8 billion settlement um, that, you know, he basically put together. So he was written up and was against the rating agencies, you know, which was, uh, you know, basically they were saying, oh, this is a great deal. And it, it was. Everything's triple A. Yeah, exactly. exactly. <laughs> yeah. And so I joked, I said, why don't you join me and we'll do this? And he was like, huh, maybe I will. That was just shell shock. But then I realized, okay, you know, if, if George is on board with this, then there must be something yeah. to it. And what I needed was another attorney because the whole idea behind the new business was going to be that we were going to put something together uh, that was built by attorneys. So we were going to categorize the data accurately and, you know, then just package it and resell it. But then what we realized was, as you track lateral movements in practice areas, it, it became more of a analytics company. So yeah. what was just, you know, a, 
a data source for recruiters and law firms has become sort of a market intelligence source that, you know, we're really, you know, marketing to law firms now so they can use it for recruiting, business development, whatever the case might be. So, um, yeah. you know, and that, I find it fascinating. So in terms of, you know, my personality and what it's every day I get to think about, okay, what do we do with this? We collect this data. How can we yeah. use it? How can we present it differently? And that's, so I think I've sort of found, you know, my sweet spot, which, you know, it's, I work a lot. I still, you know, work more than I did as a recruiter, but at the same time, I just, I find it interesting. I like, you know, building stuff basically. Like it's very creative yeah. in terms of what do we do? What do we do with this? How do we present it? How can we, you know, make the lives of these attorneys at law firms a little easier with respect to, you know, business development, hiring, marketing, et cetera. So that's, yeah. uh, yeah, I mean, and it's, it's exciting and it's, you know, you're interested in it and you're just invested in it probably more because it's your thing versus somebody else's thing. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> um, yeah. I mean, I can, I can imagine feeling like that. So, I mean, and it's interesting because the value that you're tr- bringing to this is that you are a lawyer and that you know the legal field. So it's, you know, not as if you completely jump ship into a different realm. I imagine that you consider it pretty important to your current um, position that that you had this, you know, if not a law degree, the, the, the law firm experience. Absolutely. No, without without having practiced and you know had that exposure to you know, even though i was a corporate attorney you know you're still exposed to you know tax candy you know the, the, the finance practices yeah. in new york litigation so i had a general understanding as to what those those attorneys do as well but um yeah i don't see and part of the reason for bringing on george was an antitrust attorney he understood you know different different areas of the law and then interestingly enough our third partner is not an attorney but um she she's probably better at the categorizations than, than we are <laughs> i don't know what that's like. but uh, yeah but no it's it's definitely I, but you're good at hiring <laughs> yeah i guess um, but we we george and i do feel like you you know you kind of come for a full circle because here we are you know selling to firms you know in essence to help them bring people on like us back in the day so it's, yeah, it's kind of yeah. funny that it's very meta. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Um, yeah. So yeah, so that's. So I, I mean, I guess it's also interesting that you can you don't know where you're going to end up, right? You've you try something and you see where it takes you, and it's usually not something you could have articulated, you know, ten years ago. Absolutely no. I never would have pictured. I mean, if somebody said you're going to be running a company that provides market intelligence to law firms. I, I would have, I wouldn't have said, what is that? You know, I have, I have no yeah. idea what you're talking about. <laughs> so it just, right. it just kind of fell into my lap. Um, but I, in the end, though, I think, you know, a lot of people, well, for instance, when I, when I told Frank that I was leaving to do what I was going to do, um, you know, he said to me, he's like, you're very, you're a risk taker. And it, it caught me off guard because yeah. I hadn't really thought about it like that. But I said, like, no, I, I think it would be risky to to stay at the firm. You know, I know this isn't yeah. for me. I'd be staying for all the wrong reasons. And it sort of opened up the door for something like this. You know, it's, yeah. it, it, you hear a lot about, oh, it's, you, lawyers are risk averse. 
I, yeah. I don't jump out of airplanes with a parachute on or a bungee jump or anything. I, I would describe myself as risk. Oh, I do all those things. Do you? Yeah. So, I do, so you're, yeah, I went, uh, I went, I went skydiving for my anniversary last year. Yeah. So you're truly, <laughs> I was like, please, I was like, yeah. please don't let me be one of those people that you read about. And they're like, oh, that sad couple who died <laughs> out of a plane on their anniversary. But, but yeah, it was awesome. But yes, no, yeah, so I, I'm weirdly not risk averse in that kind of realm, but I'm, you know, probably a little bit more risk averse in, in sort of the business realm. That's funny. It's like, I, yep, I'm yeah. no bungee jumping. I, like I'm, I would describe myself as somebody who's not at all risk averse, but with this, it was just, it was a no brainer. I knew that I had to get out or be, I think the risk would have been staying. Yeah. I mean, you hear, but it's, it's sad, but what you, you read an article every day about just sort of the mental health of, you know, people in the legal profession. And yeah, I, I think absolutely. I would have been one of those people because it was just a discipline for me. And if I stick around just because I think I have to, because I went to law school or to make, you know, a certain amount of money or something right. like that, it was like, I, I would have been one of the people in those articles. So I think that's yeah. where the real yeah. risk would have been. I think that's a really good way of putting it because I think that a lot of people don't consider that side of the coin and the risks there are in staying in something if it's not a good fit. Yeah. All people see are the risks of leaving. And um, it's good to keep in mind that, in fact, there are risks on the other side um, as well. So, yes. Definitely. Well, so what would you tell? Would you look back and have? done things differently or you just sort of figure this was a path and it's ended up in a good place and yeah i don't know if i would have done anything differently i mean if it depends on how far back you go uh maybe (laughs) i never would have gone to but you know in retrospect i don't even i I don't have any regrets about going to law school because i enjoyed those three years granted i didn't necessarily like you know practicing but at the same time it did i i apply you know, what I learned there in terms of, you know, the partners were kind of like little mini business owners. And I didn't get it necessarily at the time, like why, you know, why they were so on top of me, like, hey, this has to be done perfectly. Yeah. But once you go out and have your own business, you get it. So like, oh, that's what so I did learn something, even if it wasn't, you know, how to draft an M&A agreement, which is probably what I should have learned. I did, you know, there's certain yeah. aspects of being an attorney and just sort of the pressure that comes along with it that you can apply to, you know, whatever you want to do, whatever business you yeah. go into. And yeah, that's sort of what drives you crazy as an attorney sometimes is sort of the, you know, the requirement that things are done perfectly, the, the perfection that is required. But when that's sort of beaten into you over five or six years, yeah. it's nice to have, you know, when you're doing things on your own. I mean, I know that people yeah, appreciate Yeah, you realize it. you bring that to everything that you do. Um, exactly. And yeah, I mean, I just think it's good for, it's good perspective because it's also, even for those of us who decided they didn't want to keep practicing, you know, I don't look back and regret going to law school. I like where I am. And I think it can be hard after the big investment of time and money that people make going to law school to turn away from that because it seems like it just seems like you're wasting all of that effort. But I really don't think you are. I think you take so much of that with you. And it helps you in like a myriad of ways, no matter where you end up going. And I, I hope people hear that because I really think that it's a common theme that that 
I hear talking to people. And I think it's important for people to keep that in mind. I, absolutely. Because I think like anybody who's listening to this sort of thinking, hey, you know, how do I get out? Should I, you know, it, it, I would say of my classmates who went to, you know, the larger firms, I think one or two of them are still there. If that, like yeah. one guy's at SCAD and one guy's a partner at Wigan. Those are pretty much the only two people, sort of my group of friends from law school who are still, you know, at firms. And yeah. you know, they seem happy. Uh, they seem to like what they do. But the other, you know, the 90% who got out, they're all doing, you know, one of them has his own, you know, like investment firm now. Another, they, they, some school teachers, and they all just seem, they're glad they went to school kind of like me, but they're, they're a lot happier that, that now that they're, you know, out on their own doing their thing. And yeah. So, I, yeah, I mean, and I don't think any of them look back and regret it. I guess that's the point for anybody listening to this is I, I don't know anybody yeah. who left large law firm life and is saying, mm, I shouldn't have done that, you know? Yeah. Uh, so. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Um, well, do you, do you have any ideas for what you're going to do in the future? Or are you just going to sort of stay the course and see what reveals itself yeah i mean i'll be doing this for the foreseeable future um okay. how long that will be who knows uh, you know with <laughs> knowing myself but we, we we're definitely still in startup mode um so we have there's at least a few years before we get over that hump. i think what we'll do is just grow it it's sort of what i'd like to do is just continue to grow the business and right now it's three of us. We hired our first salesperson at the beginning of the year, and just slow and steady. You know, bring on more people to help with the data processing, etc., the sales. Um, and I think that will keep me, you know, sort of enthusiastic about the new business. If I can just keep growing yeah. it, just keep changing it, just what direction do we want to take it in? Um, yeah. So that sounds exciting. Yeah, I know it is. It's uh, <laughs> it's a, you know when you're processing the data on your own, it, you know. Like, hmm. I don't know, but, uh, but maybe not every second, yeah, but, but you know, the, the idea of building something and, you know, exactly. out of nothing. Yeah, yeah. no. And it's, it's but. funny when it like, I've, I've, the wall street journal has called me, uh, you know, law three sixties. It's like some real, you know, like there's some yeah, people yeah. I never thought would be calling me for information are now, you know, reaching out like, huh, I must be onto something. So that kind of makes you feel good. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm on your podcast now. So, (laughs) does this go to, um, and I know you're working at, uh, at Forum. Is there a connection between the two or is. No, it's just sort of a side project. I would say it's somewhat um, inspired because I work with the students who, one of the things I do is work with students who study abroad, who, and I studied abroad in law school as well. Um, And I think those tend to be students who are a little left of center. You know, if you're willing to go away to another country for a semester or a year, you're probably, even if you do go the corporate route, you're, you're thinking a little bit more broadly. Um, And I see some of them having the same thought processes about what they're doing or what they should do. And so, you know, I do see that on a regular basis in my job, which keeps the question coming to me. Um, but I, I just as easily have those conversations with my friends who are still in practice and still trying to get out. So yeah, yeah. You know, I think I get it from, from different uh, points of view, but yeah. So 
and I just I just thought it would be an interesting topic, and I like chatting with people, so here we are. <laughs> yeah, no, I hope it's uh, I hope it's something that you know law students and you know junior associates listen to you know who are wondering yeah. if this is for them longer term because i know that a lot of them yeah. probably think hmm, you know, is there a way out but uh you yeah. know if it's not for you then it definitely is there are yeah. options you know you, you yeah can, it's you, really just to communicate there are options don't feel trapped exactly exactly yeah yeah um but, all right well thank you so much uh remind us now what what your new company is and where we would find it yeah, so it's called Firm Prospects, um, and you can just go to www.firmprospects.com. And there's a quick overview of the company, obviously, on the homepage. And if uh, if anybody who's listening to this, you know, wants to chat with me about you know getting out or has any questions, you can reach me just yeah. a Oliver at firmprospects.com. I'd be happy to chat with anybody about you know what I did or if you know if they have questions about making a transition if they want to reach out more than happy to talk oh great thank you so much my pleasure thanks for having me on I think Adam found himself stifled not only by practicing law but the whole corporate environment He mentioned he wasn't happy sitting at a desk all day, reporting to someone else, and that he wanted a job with more flexibility. I think it's important to get clear with yourself about what it is you don't like about your job. Some people hate practicing law but would be happy in another traditional corporate government position. Some people like Adam probably need to be their own boss, build their own schedule, and have more autonomy. Neither is better than the other. It's just important to know which side you tend towards as you think through what your next steps might be. I think it'll help increase the chances of finding something you'll really enjoy in the long run.